Welcome back, everyone. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, and I moved out when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for nine years and have two awesome kiddos. Yes, we do. We are so excited to welcome Tanya with Holding Out Help with us today. Hi, Tanya. Hi, how are you guys? Oh, we're doing great. We're so excited to have you on. We obviously love and support your organization so much in every way that we can and tell people about it, have it in the description. And so it's so great. We're so excited to let our viewers see your face, hear your story for themselves and kind of get to know not only you, but holding out help a little better. Well, thank you. You guys have been such a huge support and I know you're probably why we're still kicking these days. So oh. <laughs> I don't know if we deserve that much credit, but <laughs> thank you so much though. And thank you for all that you do. I know that some of my personal family has been, has benefited from your organization in helping them transition from a group that they really didn't know much of the outside world because of their bubble that they lived in, I guess you could say, and you helped them transition. So thank you for what you're doing for everyone. Of course, your family's been wonderful to work with, everybody. Oh, well, we want to start off with anybody who's watching right now that just is like, what is holding out help? Or maybe they haven't seen or heard any of our videos where we've been talking about it. So one, what is holding out help? Who do you help and kind of how did it start? Yeah, it's a great question. So Holding Out Help is simply just a nonprofit grassroots that started here in Utah just by trying to meet a need in our community for people who come from polygamy. And I, people don't know this, but Holding Out Help, the word help actually stands for helping, encouraging, and loving polygamists. So the first family that came out was putting in buzzwords of help, polygamy, and nothing would come up and so we kind of orchestrated that name it's weird but at least it does the job so people can find us and i would say that although we help anybody from a polygamous culture we really do specialize in those people who are transitioning out of the culture mm -hmm. so and and i know we'll probably go into all the resources but we simply got started i'm not from utah i'm from nebraska of all places and so we moved with um my husband kind of all over the U.S. landed in Utah, and I remember somebody saying, are you aware that polygamy happens here? And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Well, then somebody sent me an email and said, would you open up your house as a safe home for people leaving polygamy? And I was like, this really does happen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we took in probably about a year and a half after that, we took in a family of six that was a mom. It was her mother, so grandma, and then four children that moved into our home. And from there is just kind of how we got started. So Interesting. So how did, why did someone send you that email originally? How did you get involved with, with the idea of helping people from polygamous backgrounds? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, my personal story just comes from a horrible childhood of somebody loving me unconditionally. And then as we were, um, when we moved here to Utah, I ended up getting diagnosed with um, cancer. Mm -hmm. And so in 2005, they're like, it's stage four, it's neck, chest, groin, throughout your intestinal tract. You have an eight to 10 year lifespan. Um, you've already had it three to four. And so we essentially decided to move into a larger home to have a live-in when I passed and to help with my three young kids. And so now we're in this large home. I'm doing well. And somebody knew we had the basement. And wow. so they reached out to us. So I see. Oh my wow. word. Wow. I never knew that. I'm so glad that man. I'm glad so, you're here with us. Here with us. Yeah, exactly. I've been fine since. 
since I've battled twice, but I've been good and we still are in that large home and we've had, I mean, we had that family that only was with us for about two months and then it was family after family after family for three years straight. So we've had our house full. Wow. That's so wonderful. Wow. You're meant to be here though, Tanya. I'm meant to be here for sure. So as it started growing and, you know, so you started with these families in your home, how did it kind of grow from there and turn into the organization? Yeah, that's a good question. I think for the way I was raised, I've always had the belief of just letting people live their lives. They get to make a choice, right? And then having these people in my home and hearing these horrific stories of really these communities where um, the system's broken best way to say it, where you have a patriarch at the top, a dictator, right? Somebody that is the one man rule. And then you have these innocent bystanders, thousands and thousands of wonderful people. And you hear of low education. You hear of child labor. You hear of, sadly, sexual exploitation. And and as we heard about all this, we're like, we have to do something more. Um, the first family sat us down and they said, you know, Tanya, We've never felt unconditional love like this. And it wasn't us. It was our neighbors. It was our friends. It was everybody that was stepping up alongside of them. And they said, would you consider starting a nonprofit? Well, I think at that point, I had been a stay-at-home mom for probably 10 years. I had one little girl left to get into school, and then I was going to go do something part-time anyway. I was in banking and finance prior. And um, I just remember my husband and I looking at each other and saying, how can we turn a blind eye to this? Like, how do we ignore this is happening in our backyard? And the, the, the one family just said, you know, we have no safe place in Utah to go. No one will help us. And, I mean, Sam, you've grown up in the community and you know, like, you, you can't send them to a domestic violence center. No. You can't send them to a homeless shelter. Like, everything they've been taught about outsiders would uh, just confirm that their community was right. And so... We just started holding out help 15 years ago organically, did it out of our home at the beginning. And then we were like, it was 30 people the first year, the next year was 60 and then 120. And we were like, we've got to get some help. And so we started reaching out to any kind of community partners, started grant writing. Um, I mean, it just kind of took on a life of its own. And now we're, we're pretty large, still small in comparison to other nonprofits, but we do a lot with very little. So. That's so wow. wonderful. That's amazing. So, so you have families that work with you directly then that will help you now take in these, in some cases, children, women, and, and even some adults, I imagine, to kind of help them transition and get on their feet. Is that, is that how that works? If someone from a, a polygamous background is, is needing to get out of their situation, what does that look like for them? Such a good question, Sam. You know, we have, so when they first come in, they fill out an intake form. And in that intake form, we develop an individualized plan because depending on where they come from, every person is so different. Their needs are so different. And so we will, so for like three years, specifically with the FLDS, kids were being dumped, kids were running away, and these were minor children. And so we start developing a host home program, um, which I think one of your brothers was in. And um Yes. These are people like yours and mine that just say, we are willing to open up our home to help someone else. Um, once that child is in that home, then we develop, okay, do they need education? Do they need counseling? Do they need job skills? You know, what does it look like overall to get them on their feet? I think what's super unique about our agency is that 
we will not kick anybody out of our program until we know they, they can be self-sufficient and take care of themselves. Wow. So there's like other services. I mean, we do the food, we do the clothing, obviously shelter. We have two properties in Utah. We have three properties, but two properties that actually house um, either adult females or adult males. Um, we have another apartment that does mothers with children. And then we do job skills. We partner with people, helping people here locally. Um, we have tutors on staff. Um, and then we partner with, you know, dental care providers, uh, medical wow. providers, orthodontists. Um, Finwise Bank does budgeting classes for us. Really all kinds of different things. So there's really nothing we don't do. Wow. Oh, that's wonderful. That's a, we always tell people, you know, it's a place to be able to go and get whatever resources you need, right? You know, whatever is personalized for you. So it's great to hear that full process from you instead of a, <laughs> the yeah. one-stop shop. Right. And it's so important too. I mean, even myself, I was lucky enough to stumble upon a family that took me in and helped me with all of the things that you just mentioned and helped me find, uh, the the whatever it was that I needed at that time to get on my feet, whether it was dental help or whether it was, you know, how to land a job or what, whatever it was at the time, I didn't really know how to transition. And so having that help from a family that was used to the outside world was just a huge part of allowing me to move on and find a good life out here. So that's wonderful that that is what you're doing for all of these people. Thank you. And one of the things I'm sure that family did for you that we underestimate is community, right? Like oh, you yes. leave your community, you come out, you're like, I don't belong. And all of a sudden your family's like, no, we have a built-in community that you can grab a hold of and be a part of and we're going to accept you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. super important. Yeah. Nice. And I feel like too, the basis of, you know, holding out help and once one person is solid, more of their family are more willing and able to leave. So when you talk about helping Sam's brother, was that before or after? That was, that was actually after. while I was, I had left the community, but I was in, on an LDS mission at that time in Chile when my brother moved out. And so that's, yeah, it, that's kind of how that started. And I wasn't even around when he left. To be able to help. But now that brother who was helped by holding out help, Sam, who was helped by this other family, now when their other siblings or they've had nephews recently that left, now there's this community of one of Sam's brothers left and came and lived with us. And they also know they can go to that brother that you helped. And there's now this web of people. So for every person you're helping, and you're holding out help is helping, really, it's like now generational almost that now they can help their siblings, they can help whoever else, they can help parents. And so it's really a, a big trickle down that I think sometimes people don't notice. They think, oh, holding out help's got to help every single person that leaves. But really for every person that you're creating independence for and helping them become independent, it's an infinite amount of people that can be helped. Right. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that's so well said, Melissa, is that you know, when we get our clients, they will often say, you know, they don't understand what that unconditional piece is, right? So like, what are your expectations of me? What do I have to do for this? And it's so cool when you can say, you get yourself as healthy as you possibly can, get self-sufficient, and then turn around someday and give back. That's our only requirement. And they're like, what? Like they don't get it because where they come from, right? You ask, there's strings attached, right? Sam, you, you probably know that more than anything. There's always strings attached. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep, it's 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 hard even to this day, it's hard for me sometimes to accept someone just giving me something. 
You know, I feel like I, I need to, I need to work really hard for it or I need to give back some way. I can't just accept something, you know, that's something that even today, I feel like I'm still trying to get over that there are just people out there that are wanting to help and that are loving unconditionally. But yes, coming from a place where everything you are and everything that you do belongs to the church, it's, it's a transition that is more difficult than people might realize. Absolutely. So. And I think that's another thing that we, we attempt to the best of our ability to create that community for them. So it might be having a fun, you know, Valentine's, we call it Galentine's that we do. And they all come over and we do arts and crafts and food and try to organically allow them to develop relationships with one another. So they're not so alone out in our world. You know, they do better when we get them in high school, right? Because high school is community. So right. they adjust much better if we can do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Things like that. Anytime, anytime one of Sam's relatives in some way or another with or within high school range, I'm always like, let's get you into high school. Even if you can't graduate, the sense of community you'll have for one semester, two semesters, the way they'll be able to help you to prepare for a GED and all these other things, you know, and when they've grown up to just work, 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 and the only like value that they have is working or giving money to the church then it's hard for them to get out of that mentality. They leave and all they think is work, 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 because that's how I'm valuable. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and big trucks, right? Sam, did you get your big truck when you left? Did you get a big old <laughs> No, I did not. They <laughs> land on my doorstep and they're like, I can't afford my truck payment. I'm like, why did you buy that? <laughs> yeah, that, that is a, wow. Tell, it's so interesting yeah. you say that. It is such a big part of the FLDS that they culture, yeah. culture that they own yeah. their vehicle, that they have these nice, expensive vehicles. We've seen it time and time again when people leave. And the first thing they want to do is go buy the fanciest, nicest vehicle. And even though they can't afford it, like you said, and that's a that's a transition as well to help them realize, hey, you know, once you're out on your own, you can't just rely on other people to pay for everything for you. You can't go buy a $150,000 vehicle and just expect you're going to be able to pay for it somehow. Maybe try a Honda Civic first and go from there. <laughs> where they haven't learned the value of a dollar because the community right. runs all the finances. You know what I'm saying? So you've got to uh -huh. start. Like, no, don't do that. Let's, let's get it in. Let's sit down, do a budget. Let's talk about how you can survive out here. And don't go buy that fancy vehicle. And if you do, you're going to have to go turn that truck back in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. We've definitely seen family members before where, you know, you can try to guide as much as possible with kindness. And then there's some mistakes that you're like, well, this is going to be uh -huh. one that you're going to have to learn on your own. And then they look back and they're like, oh, now, now I see what was going <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> Well, and that, you know, it's kind of the host families that we look for too, which is, it can sometimes be re-traumatizing because host families, especially in Utah, very religiously charged and um, they have expectations and it's like, no, if you have expectations, it's not going to, it's okay to have healthy boundaries, but they're going to bounce over the guardrails. They're going to make really dumb mistakes, but you've got to allow them to learn the natural consequences of those mistakes like our children have since a young age. And so we really are careful who we place people with because it's hard. It's hard for both. It is. And and that's something, this is a key point I think that we need to mention here is, is for your organization and for the people that are helping these uh, people that are needing help. It's not that you're forcing help, you're holding out that help. And some people 
take that and they, they look at what you do and they assume that you're driving out to a polygamous home and forcing everyone into your car and you're hauling them away through, away from their family. And that's not what it is at all. You know, you're you're there as a resource if and when they are ready. That is that is absolutely correct. It's very interesting because the FLDS actually did come after me once and said, "You kidnapped this girl." I'm like, first of all, she was 18. Second off, someone drove over to my agency. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> third off, we have all these resources, but they have to grab hold of them. Mm-hmm. They have to do the hard work. And if they're not willing to do the hard work, our place really isn't the right place to land, right? If they want to go party and, you know, have sex and do all these crazy things, which a lot of them sadly do at the beginning, it's not that abnormal, go do it. When you're ready to move forward, come see us. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, We have a lot of people that ask us all the time, not only ways that they can help organizations like yours, which we'll leave links in the description of how to go donate. Um, We'll talk in a little bit about a fundraiser where you can come to that and see more. But in addition to monetary donations to organizations, people always ask like, oh, if I see an influx of, oh, I now have polygamous neighbors or I have people moving into my community and a lot of people ask, how do I best help? What can I do for these people? What would you say is the best way for people to help those that are still in the polygamous communities? Now, that's such a great question. And there's really a simple answer. And it's just be kind, be neighborly. Don't try to think that you've got to set out to save them. They may be perfectly happy with the lifestyle that they're living. And so I always say too, like, they're like, can we have your cards and pass them out at the store at Walmart and Costco? And I'm like, please don't. Like, just say hi and be kind. If they, you see somebody that can't lift their, you know, box of food or whatever, go help them. If they can't pay the bill, go help them. But don't assume they need your help. Like, don't assume, you know, that they're not happy. Don't assume that they're being abused. And so my big thing is in capital letters when I do train is just be kind. Just be kind to be neighborly. That's it. There's, there's not any rocket science to this whatsoever. I love that, and I would agree with you 100%. And coming from the FLDS and moving out, one of the big reasons that I felt comfortable moving on with my life and moving out was because of the kindness of the outside world. And a a lot of that was because we were taught within the church that the outside world was wicked. The outside world, if we were to mingle with them or if we were to become like them, then we would be on Satan's ground. Imagine how scary that is for a teenager to think that Satan would have control over you if you became as those in the outside world were. And so when I saw from firsthand, saw, saw myself that these people out there and from the outside world were being kind and loving, happy, beautiful families, you know, I was, I was kind of shocked and started asking myself if what I was being taught was true. Yeah. And, and that's, that's just the most eloquent way to say it is they're taught we're evil. We're Gentiles, right? We're going to use them up. Mm-hmm. And for you to show up at a store or out in any, any other, you know, mainstream area and for someone to be just kind to you, wave to you, say hi, treat you with respect, proves that outsiders are not all evil. And right. it gives you hope. Gives yeah. you hope. Yes. Yep. Definitely. And then if you are being harmed, where are they going to go? Like I always think of even like at a dentist office, you know, we have a, an FLDS girl that is, is coming in, right? And you're kind and you treat her with respect. You don't assume bad things. Well, when something is going wrong, where is she going to go, right? Mm-hmm. She's going to go to somebody that was kind to her, 
somebody that developed a relationship with her. It's all about relationships, you guys. It all is. comes down to. And so that's where she's going to go at the end of the day. So Sam, then you, outsiders were nice to you. How did you meet your family then? So it was, we were doing a construction a remodel job on their home. And so we started building this relationship with them and they would come out and talk to us and bring us, uh, you know, a glass of water or something. And just, they were very, very kind. And you could just tell that they were a good, happy family that were trying to live the best life possible and had great kids to show for it. And so, you know, it was, it, it was really there that our will started turning me and a couple of my other brothers working on that job site, which we actually, some of us got kicked off of. We got kicked off that job site because we were mingling and talking too much with the family. And, oh uh, so of course they saw that as a red flag. Oh, they're getting too friendly. You know, let's kick these boys off and go put them in the middle of nowhere and work on something out there where there's no one to talk to. But Anyway, that's just kind of the way it was, but it was the kindness from the family that we were working for. So did you reach out to them? Sorry to make, yes. I want to make an example. So you reached out to them and it yes. was time for you. Yes, exactly. So the day <laughs> my brother and I, one of my brothers and I left one day and the morning that we left, we were not planning on leaving. We had no plans. We didn't have money. We didn't have anything. My brother, who was just older than me, he did have a truck, which was paid off. So that was nice. And we just ended up deciding to leave and we reached out to this family and actually stayed on their couch the night that we left. And, and then they had a casita that they let us stay in for a while. And anyway, they're always there to help us, which made that transition so much easier because we didn't have money to go stay in hotels if we wanted to. We would have been sleeping in the truck without this family. But that's another point, right? You don't get the money, right? You're not... Right. <laughs> Most yeah. of the time, you're not making the money on these job sites. And so when you leave, you're leaving with the clothes on your back. Right. And we, we left in 2008, which considering that our whole, uh, I guess, skill set was in construction, 2008 was an awful time to <laughs> try to find a job. And yeah. it, was, it was a challenge. It was very difficult. You know, 2008 was when I started my agency and people are like, you're never going to make it. And I'm like, well, I have to try. <laughs> if I don't make it, I don't make it. But I can't let these people be without services. And so yeah. that's actually when we started. And we were lucky we made it through. So, wow. yeah. And then did wow. you end up going back to school? Sorry, I'm flipping it on everybody. But oh, no, no we this, love is, it. this is great. Yeah, ask away. So you, you ask, did I go to school? Yeah. How old were you when you left? I left the month that I turned 18. So okay. you, you, it goes to show you how, how ready I was to move out when <laughs> I turned 18 and I was like, oh, I'm an adult. I can do adulty things. Let's, <laughs> let's move out of the house. And so that was really, but I, at that time I had a great relationship with my biological family there in the FLDS. I had no reason to leave them and I would have loved to continue on a good relationship with them. But as many know, when you choose to leave, you're not welcome back. They don't want that outside influence in their community. And so once I made that decision, it was not really up to me anymore on whether or not I could go back. But anyway, so it was just, I wanted a different lifestyle for myself. And for a long time, a very long time, actually, I didn't feel that I was adequate or smart enough to get any kind of education. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I lived, I ultimately moved to St. George, Utah, 
And I would, when driving across town, I would take the long way if needed so that I didn't have to drive by any high schools or college because when I saw these people on campus, I, it made me feel so inferior. It made me feel like, the, like that I wasn't good enough or that I was ever going to be good enough to be like these other people my age that were getting a good education and that were going somewhere in their life. Yeah, it makes me so sad because a majority of the kids that we get out, they always say we're dumb. And I'm like, you are not dumb. You just mm. haven't been given the same educational opportunities as everyone else. And right. it is possible. We will help you. You're not dumb. Yes. 100%. That yeah, it's always hard for me to hear whenever Sam says that, like almost makes me teary eyed because yeah, opportunity, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, it doesn't have to do with your intelligence. It a hundred percent is opportunity and being taught. And yeah. Yeah. so, and, and I don't want to take over the, the, all the time here. So I'll say a really long story short to answer your question of that, you know, there's a lot of pieces of how I built up the confidence, but over time I was able to build up that confidence. I got my GED and ended up graduating from college. So Yes. Love to hear those stories. That's why I got to remember that because when we get these kids out, you know, and they're like, we're dumb and we can't go, public school drowns them. So we try to put them in a small charter or like private and have them scholarships. But I got to remember to call you and say, you're going to go talk to Sam. Sam's going to tell you something different. And look what he did. And if you can do it, you can do it. (laughs) Great story. I would say if I could do it, anyone can do it. I felt like I didn't know anything when it came to school. I just, I felt, I don't know, as stupid is a strong word, but I just didn't feel like I could ever accomplish anything like that. And I had other brothers that moved out too that said, oh, maybe I'll go try to get an education. And I was like, yeah, good on you. Good luck with that. I, I would never be able to. And then I ended up being the one to go and do it. But you know, it's, you have to find that confidence within yourself. And, and I would love to talk to anyone if they have doubts or questions about that. Yes, please tell them to call me. And also on that same, same note, I do want to just say if anybody's watching this and does feel that way, another thing that I hear a lot of people say when they're first leaving is they're like, I could never afford to go to college. Mm. And we try to tell as many people in those situations as possible, you will not have to pay for college. <laughs> like no. there are so many grants, there are so many scholarships, especially if you are being like, I don't know, uh, abandon is not the right word, but like if you're leaving a, com- a community where you can't go back and you have no support, financial support from parents, the government has all sorts of grants available to you. And there's always a way to be able to find a way to, to get through college, to get a GED and to go to college. And so don't let the financial stress of it, call us, talk to Sam, talk to Tanya, call holding out help. There are resources for you to get an education. If that's what you desire, we can help make it happen. Yes. Absolutely. When we file for federal grants, they always ask for the last two years of your parents' tax return. Never happens. So holding out help will write a letter on their behalf to allow them to become independent outside of their parents, and they'll get a full grant. Unless yeah. they come out and they immediately get into construction, they're making a real paycheck, then it will be cut back a little bit. But you even have organizations like Hope After Polygamy, right? And they do scholarships. Do you guys know them? We have. I've heard them, but we haven't talked to them. No. They're amazing. I need to connect you guys. They all come from the Kingston Polygamous Group. And that was their big thing is they they bring in money simply to provide scholarships from people that have left polygamy. Oh, yes. We have have heard of them. Oh, Jessica. Is it Jessica? Jessica. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm like, I'm making all the connections. (laughs) A lot of 
them have been on, I think, the escaping polygamy show, and they're they're wonderful, wonderful yeah. people. So we help them; they can get through. I promise. Good. And that's what we do. We have tutors here, right? That will sit down and help you if you need it. So, yeah, don't give up. This is such good information to have for people out there to be able to reach out to you. When I was starting and decided I wanted to go to college, I didn't know that there were resources out there. And I don't know if there was resources during that time. If there were, I didn't know about them, about the, you know, helping people get in, get an education and get to college and all of that. So I, I walked into the college and I said, can I talk to a counselor? I I don't know what I'm doing here. So I ended up finding a counselor and sat down and I just, I just spilled the beans. Don't be afraid to tell your story because once they heard my story, they were like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. We got you. And they, they just, they just held my hand and and helped me through it. It was so nice. People want to help. Again, so well said, Sam, because whether you're in high school or going to college, if you're willing to share where you're from, people will jump through any hoop to help you succeed. So Mm -hmm. please be willing to share where you're from. I, you know, and I understand some people don't want to, and that is just fine. But when right. you're open about it, people will help you. They'll step right alongside of you and they'll make sure you graduate. I have a girl yes. right now who she came out at 13 years old from your community, like young, young, young. And mm-hmm. it was all orchestrated with the parents. There was no going and stealing a child. And um, that girl is going to, she's becoming a nurse. And when the college that she got, she went through high school, took a little extra time. She gets accepted into college. When they found out her history, they gave her a full free ride. Like wow. she's getting That's all of her education free and it's a private college. And so That's I don't know. It's so wonderful. Yeah. People definitely want to help. People are good. People out here, the Gentiles, we're good people <laughs> and that want to help people who are looking for it. <laughs> yeah, for Gentiles. Yeah. <laughs> Me as an apostate, I understand. I'm not as good as the Gentiles, but <laughs> you're a little bit worse than I. Well, I'm a, I'm a nonprofit. Hello, and media oh, yeah. are pretty bad too. But <laughs> yeah. you might be a little bit worse than me. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, we can joke about it now, but it is a very serious thing for those out there in the FLDS. I mean, it's a it's a scary world out here. So please, if you're watching, if you're listening, feel free to reach out. There's a lot of great people that are just trying to help and they will be willing to do so. So thank you so much. Yeah. And Tanya, kind of, I think that's the perfect lead into, we always ask people like on our channel, but we also wanted to ask you as well, like, what would you say to someone who's considering leaving a polygamous community? Maybe they're watching this video right now. Um, What would you want to say to somebody who's considering it? Yeah, I think we've kind of already said it, but there's hope. Like there are kind people out here. You're not alone and you have a choice. And I think people assume that they come to my agency, they have to break up all family ties. No, if their family will talk to them, we want them to have a relationship with their family. So just don't be scared to reach out. We have a lot of people that will reach out and they just want to say, what do you offer? We're just kind of dabbling. We just want to ask some questions. That's great. We'll never tell anybody you called us. It will all be kept confidential and uh, we'll get your questions answered. So. Amazing. Well, let's talk about the event you have coming up here next month. And uh, could you just tell people a little bit about what that is going to be and uh, what it is that they could do if they do attend this to help out these communities? Yeah. Okay. I think that's twofold, but let's let's start with one first. So I think the yeah the the we have an event coming up on March fifteenth. It will be from six to eight thirty. It's a, a full benefit. A dinner will be provided. You'll get to hear lots of stories from incredible people that have come from the culture. 
I think this year we're kind of doing, we're doing things a little bit different because everyone's like, you hear of clients who are coming out, you hear of the success stories at the end, but what happens in the messy middle, right? An average client of ours is with us for about four years, which is a lot. And wow. so what happens in those four years? It might be doing case management, it might be going to school, it might be um, getting their teeth fixed, it, it might be getting intense therapy because they have so much trauma that they're struggling to function. And so we're just kind of in the weeds for this event. Um, we'll start off a little dark at the beginning. We'll get through all the messy weeds and we'll end on a really great story. So we're very excited. And if you want to get involved, you can um, go to our website at holdingouthelp.org. You just tap on the banner at the top and you can sign up. I think the tickets are $50 for a full table of eight. It's 400 so. Yes. Awesome. And we, we are excited. We will definitely be there. Yes. I know we kind of yeah. said this to our viewers last year as well. And we were happy that we actually saw people that did come, but please come, come introduce yourself to us. We would love to see any of our viewers who are able to support by coming and attending this event. Come spend the evening with us. Come say hi to us. Um, we always love getting the opportunity to come up to this event. Yes, and we will leave a link below in the description. We always have a, a holding out help link in our description, but we will add an extra one for this event to, just to make it easy for you to click on and see what it's all about. Yeah. I think I think one of these events, you guys need to be the MC. Uh, <laughs> we would tanya we'll do anything you want honestly so if you say hey i want you guys for this we would be there in a heartbeat so you tell us what you want us to do and we'll do it yep yeah yep that sounds good we'll, we'll be planning next year we'll do it bigger and better next year and you guys will have to seriously the MCs. you guys would be great Oh, thank well, you. thank you. We would be honored. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Tanya, once again for taking time out of your day to help us understand a little bit more about what it is you're doing for these communities and helping those viewers that are watching today to understand as well. We really do appreciate you being here with us today. And if anybody out there wants to hear more about what it is like for Sam to grow up in polygamy, please like and subscribe. Help us continue to support awesome um, organizations like Holding Out Help. Thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you all we'll soon. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Tanya. Thanks, Tanya. Thank you.